Welcome to the StoryCraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. StoryCraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. Welcome into the StoryCraft Cafe. Thanks for joining us as we delve into this newest writing challenge. If you joined us last fall for our Write a Novel in 60 Days with Dabble Challenge, now is the time to dust off those first drafts that we wrote back then and whip them into shape. Last Wednesday night, we started off the challenge and our panel of writers uh, engaged with you, the audience that was listening in, and we had a great time as we kind of introduced ourselves and the stories we were writing and what was going on with each of those. For the next challenge, for the next weekly show, uh, this Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about characters. So I know you'll want to tune in. If you want to catch it live, go to storycraft.cafe and there's a link there where you can join us live on YouTube or you can check the replays here on the podcast channel. Let's get into our first challenge session. And we are live in the Storycraft Cafe. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. I am your story barista, Hank Garner. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm a double joined... latte, please. <laughs> Coming right up. Coming right up. I am so happy uh, tonight to be joined by three friends who are going to uh, go through this revision process with me and and with all of you by extension uh and i'm going by the way my screen is laid out everybody else's is probably different but keo uh is one of our chief writing wranglers in the storycraft cafe an ever-present presence in the cafe and we're so happy to have her join us and josh hayes who was with us in the last challenge uh been a good friend of mine for a bunch of years and uh, he is in the middle of a trilogy, and I thought it would be fun uh, to have Josh kind of talk through where he is and how all of that's coming to life. And then Rick Partlow. Rick Partlow, um, the machine, who is uh, <laughs> it's the middle of February, and I think he's on his eighth novel this year. Uh, <laughs> Not quite. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, that that's... That's just some some inside ribbing that we uh, love to give Rick, but uh, uh, Rick is always in the writing or revising process, and uh, a lot of times some of each. Uh, so I thought he would be a valuable voice to uh, to help us through some of this process. Uh, so welcome, guys! Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having Thank me you. back. Absolutely, um, Josh. Let's let's start with you. When when we finished our challenge back in the fall, uh, you were you had finished book one in the trilogy. You were drafting book two of the trilogy, and you had spent some time working on your overall plan and all that good stuff. And when we finished the challenge, I think you were about halfway into your draft. Do, do I remember that right? Uh, I was probably a third. I am a halfway okay. now. Um, I had some, I had some, uh, issues with the beginning of the book that I needed to rework and that took a little bit of time. Uh, but I am halfway through, I'm about 65,000 words into book two. Um, but this is actually a great challenge for me because, uh, I am, I, <laughs> in writing book two, I found a huge plot hole in book one. Interesting. And so I've had to stop work on book two to go back and fix book one and so i've been doing a lot of rewrites on book one and going back through uh one of the significant plot threads to fix it uh and make sure that it's lined up with where i need it to be which is what i've been doing for the last couple of weeks um so that's kind of generally where i sit right now um book one is finished the draft is finished um i've 
got uh, I don't know three, four more of the the chapters that are directly connected to that plot thread to rework and rework uh, rewrite. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it is just kind of putting the rest of the novel together and just kind of basic editing and little small rewrites here and there. And then I'll be smashing book two again. So nice. So when when you found out what you did in book two that you realized that book one needed to change that's probably a moment where you were super happy you had not published book one yet 100 percent. holy <laughs> crap yes um be, well basically what happened is there's events that happen off screen as it were in book one that that force book one to happen right and so in my mind i thought that i understood those events yeah. But as I go through book two and those events are starting to come to light, I figured out that I really hadn't fleshed any of that out. I hadn't done any of the legwork for the backstory because I didn't need it because I knew that something happened. And I was just yeah. like, OK, this happened. I'll figure it out later. This is a problem for future Josh. Well, now future Josh is present Josh and present Josh is pissed at future Josh. For it's like time travel. Did. Yeah. It's like like past Josh messed up future josh which became present josh and now past josh is in trouble so um you need to I, find some photos of yourself in high school to make sure you're not disappearing yeah <laughs> 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 playing a guitar somewhere um but yeah no i um i i basically was writing a chapter that had to deal directly with what happened in those events yeah and so I went back to book one to make sure that I hadn't like I wasn't uh, conflicting anything. And when I went back and looked at book one, I realized that this plot thread that I wrote for one of the main characters was backwards and that he had done a lot of things that he shouldn't have done yet in the book. But also because he did those things, it ruined all the rest of it. So Mm. Um, I figured out the, uh Oh, I, I figured out the thing that I needed to figure out, but in yeah. doing that, I found the plot hole. Um, and now I'm just filling in that hole with dirt basically. And that, that takes a little bit of time, obviously. And, and I'm kind of a slow writer as I like, I can nail out three grand in a day, but, uh, um, when I go back and edit, I'm very particular about, um, I, I, a lot of writers are precious about their words in a sense yeah. of like, like if they write it, it's got to stay or, you know, all that stuff. I'm precious about just having the right words. And so when I go back and do like self edits and rewrites, if the, if the words aren't correct, then I have to change them. And, uh, so that's, that's basically what I'm, I'm in the middle of doing right now. And in the middle of that, there are, are conversations that happen that shouldn't have happened. And so I've got to rework the conversations that are happening in those scenes to reflect all of that stuff. Sam, Sam said, how many people end up dying? A lot of people <laughs> die. I kill everyone. That's my speciality. Everyone. Everyone dies. Everyone. <laughs> uh, there, there you are, Keo. Technology. Gotta love it. Gotta, <laughs> gotta love, love it. it. Gotta love it. Um, Josh, we're we're gonna we're gonna come back in a minute and and talk a, a little bit through how okay. what that's looking like for you. But but Keo, what what are you working on? Do you have something that you're um about to start revising on, or what what is your uh, process looking like right now? Oh, geez, what don't I have to, to revise? <laughs> so many. Yeah. Um. My current project is actually uh, me trying to expand a short story I wrote back in college several years ago. It is based off of a Greek mythology named Pygmalion. Nice. And because, you know, I'm chaotic and like to torture myself, it's going to have a magic system. Of course it is. Of course it is. Now, have you have you planned out this magic system? Um, no. No. <laughs> I love it. I so, want to say yes, but the honest answer is no. 
Yeah, a, a chaotic magic system. So, do you have a do you have a plan for for taking this kind of big idea concept that you have? And oh yeah, I'm gonna stare at my words and then hope it you know writes itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I've 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 had that same uh, uh, plan before, and sometimes yeah. It's and then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give up and actually write it <laughs> because we both know that's just you know. Yeah, the hopes I, in vain. I hear you. I hear you. Um, so do you do you have a working first draft? Oh yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right, Rick Partlow. What are you working on these days? I saw you posted am... on Facebook a while back that you had just summed up a book, and are you started? Have you started on another? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on book one in the new series right now. Um, started, uh, I guess it was uh, Sunday. Okay. Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember. And uh, I hope to have it done by like mid-March-ish, maybe before. Um, and then I'll start working on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> When when you uh, because you have a couple of long running series, um, when you start a brand new series, um, is your is your process well? Obviously, your process is different because you have a blank slate and you have no uh, rules that you've set for yourself that you have to abide by, and you know there there are no worlds already built and that sort of thing. Is what's your process like for starting something brand new as opposed to picking up in one of your other series? Well, I'm a pretty in-depth outliner and usually the outline for book one is a lot longer than any of the others. I mean, it's, for example, like I just did, uh, I finished Drop Trooper book 12 a month ago or something. I forget. Mm -hmm. Um, And the outline for that was really short. It was like maybe 6,000 words, you know, because I know the world, I know the characters, I know where they're at and where they've been. I don't need to write everything out. But when it's new series, I have to like this this first book in this series. I think the outline was sixteen thousand words, because I had to list all the characters. You know, I had to say where they were from and what their backstory was, and I had to give a background of the universe they're living in. Uh, so it starts and, looking like a series Bible in, in yeah. a sense. It, it's, it's like um, the world's not lived in yet, so I have to include all the details like this planet, you know, is it jungle? Does it have water? Does it have snow? You know, what does it smell like? What are its seasons like? What animals live there? Just stuff that's going to – may not even come up in the book, but I, I need to know in my head before I write it. Well, and these will be things in your writer toolkit that you get to, uh, you know, choose. Uh, you know, you don't always use all the tools in your toolbox, but but they're there, and you know when that job arises. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my book, uh, the one that I started in the fall. Um, I'm just pulling up my dabble project here. Um, Three may keep a secret is. Um, uh, I, I finished the first draft, and what I did is I took my my plot grid and my outline, and I compared where I thought the story was going with where my first draft ended up. And uh, I, I I stayed the course in a lot of ways, but I, I've I've varied off as some some new ideas presented themselves. So um, I started a a separate outline um, because I wanted to um, really take my time on this revision process, especially since we were going to, you know, do this uh, challenge together. And so I started making a separate outline based on what I had written and start comparing where, where I thought the original where this wound up. And um, it has been really fruitful to, um, allow me to to conceptualize the story that I came up with kind of on a, on a big or like a 30,000 foot view 
of the story. And that's something I've never really done before. Um, really dissect my first draft and look at it. And, you know, it gives you, um, it, it gives you some interesting opportunities to um, critically look at what you've created. And, you know, does it, does it work? Um, can I see uh, how all the plot points connect? And um, it's been a, a really interesting process for me. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Um, Josh, when you start revising, like when, when you realize that there were problems in book two that would need to be fixed back in book one, um, how do you, how do you start that process? And, and where in the process do you start seeing those problems? Where do they pop up? Uh, well, for me, it was when I, <coughs> need, when I needed to start talking about the, the event, right? Like, um, uh, one of the characters, uh, one of the main characters is a, a spy. The other one is a soldier and they're, they're both, um, they've, they've never met before, but they're coming at the same problem from different angles. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of conflict there because the soldier is still a soldier. And, uh, even though he's not technically uh attached to a military unit because of events he still considers himself a soldier and so he has to do things a certain way and he believes that things should be done a certain way the other guy's a spy he's kind of a lone wolf he's uh he's he doesn't have oversight he doesn't have anybody to report to he does his own thing and so um when they're coming at the same problem, the soldier is very regimented and very committed to the the rules and things they can and can't do. And the spy is just like, bro, let's just go over here and do this thing. And so there's a lot of conflict there. Um, but as they start to kind of uncover the mystery about what happened, um, a lot of those events started to kind of solidify in my mind where they were just kind of ethereal before. Like I said, like, I was like, I know that this happened. I don't really, it doesn't matter to me right now how or why. Um, but now that I'm at that point, I've, I've obviously got to figure it out. Um, and so, I, and I do that with a lot of stuff in my books. Uh, like for instance, I, I, um, I have a, one of the scenes in book one, the, uh, the spy character Hawkins goes to uh, uh, a planet and in the book, it was just planet in brackets. There was nothing about it. It was planet do something with this. And so in my first draft, I'm just writing, you know, the, basically the, the base plot points. He goes here, the planet itself doesn't matter what he does on the planet matters. So I didn't have to figure out any of the planet stuff. I was just like, go here and do this. And then as I went back to kind of piece the chapters together, I was like, okay, here's, this is a good place to flesh this out. And so I, I spent a day kind of, kind of talking, doing what Rick was talking about in his outline. Like, what is this planet? What's the backstory to the planet? Like, why are they the way that they are? I did very brief because the planet is, is not a huge set piece, but it is a set piece. So you've got to do a little bit of work. Um, but that's where a lot of those big details come in. Um, and, and a lot of, a lot of my second passes is where the, um, a lot of depth comes in, right? Because I know the characters better. I know the story better. I, I can imagine their backstories a little better. And so a lot of that kind of salt and pepper comes in after the fact. And so a lot of my rewrites is flavor and depth in layering on top of the straight plot. Interesting. Um, Jen had a comment. Uh, Jen said, I started a second outline too. I couldn't follow my plot points from the first draft, what I planned versus what actually happened. So I used the second outline for a bird's eye view of what happened. Exactly what, what I was just talking about, Jen. And I got that idea. Um, because Josh Hayes uh, and I were having uh, an argument five or six years ago um, about outlining, and he probably doesn't even remember the conversation, but um, Josh, you told me something that I have uh, held on to ever since you told me, and you said, everyone's an outliner. Um, you just might outline after your first draft is finished. And, and that really 
it was, you know, you were being, you know, you were being kind of facetious when you right. said it, but right. I took it to heart because, uh, I, I completely understood what you were saying. Yeah. You can kind of word vomit everything out there and then try to, you know, take the pieces of what you've got and assemble a story. Mm -hmm. Um, and the work has to be done. It's just where are you going to do the work? Right. And uh, so, yeah, uh, Jen, I'm I'm happy that that uh, that process has made sense to you as well. Um, Rick, since you are such an elaborate outliner, what does your revision process usually look like? Like when you're finished with that first draft, what do you, uh, you know, in Stephen King's book on writing, he suggests taking that first draft stick it in stick it in a desk drawer for six weeks or two months go do something else and then come back to it um do you have the luxury well, stephen of king stephen king does an outline which is probably why his ending right. sucks so bad yeah. uh, <laughs> but i for me the outline really is kind of my first draft especially with the new series yeah i really go into detail i mean when i when i uh when I write the, the outline of a, the first book in a new series, I go down to things like bits of dialogue I want to throw in. So it really is kind of a, a, a really rough first draft. Yeah. Um, so I don't generally, I don't generally um, revise it. <laughs> I, I, I read it over. And if I haven't made any obvious, you know, continuity errors, then I turn it over to the editor and, they will tell me if there's any continuity or errors like that that I missed. But as far as the actual plot of the book goes, yeah, I catch anything that's not going to make sense or not going to flow. I catch that mostly in the outline. And if I don't catch in the outline, I will catch it in mid-book. And I'll just say, this chapter doesn't feel right. And I'll go look at the outline and I'll make the correction right then. But I don't. once I've written the end on the book, there is no more plot revision for me unless, like I said, I missed something obvious where I have to put in a scene where somebody who's dead at the end died or alive at the end and have to take out that they died. <laughs> now, is that a skill that, um, that has, um, become more prevalent, you know, in writing? What, what are you up to? You know, 60 something books. I am on my 62nd book okay. right now. It, it, uh, it, and yes, it is. It, it's, yeah, I'm sure it is, something, it is something that I would not recommend for people just starting out at all. Yeah. But at some point, you know, you do something often enough, then it just becomes kind of second nature. Right. Like um, a lot of people use like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen them. They use a chart with beats and story, story right. beats on them yep. and the like four act structure or six act structure or three act structure, whatever, whatever structure you prefer. And they put their details in there to remind them. And, you know, when you're starting out, you need that. But eventually, that just comes naturally. You're writing the outline and you realize, okay, yeah, this is the end of the first act. And this is the end of the second act. And that just happens, uh, that just happens naturally for me. But when I first started out, um, I first started out trying to get traditionally published. I had an agent. And the agent put editors on me, and I wrote one draft after another of the two books that she had, which taught me uh, what I needed to know about self-editing and revisions. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that uh, confidence that just comes with putting the work in? Uh, like, do you looking back over your writing career, can you see where? Um, where you started becoming more and more confident in your drafting skills. I know exactly your, your what outlining it, skills. I know exactly when it happened. Actually, okay. it was it was a it was a very clear delineation. It was right after my sixth book, right around the seventh book, either the seventh or just after the seventh. I started to get that kind of confidence. And, and was that just like? Do you remember there being a a particular? thing that happened or had you just well, I gradually turned from a seat of the pants writer into an outliner and after book seven in the process of writing book seven 
I got good enough at outlining to where I could get the, those kind of things out in the outline. Nice. So it, it was, it was, it took about five years of maybe five or six years of writing before I got to the point where I could do that. Yeah. Nice. Um, Keo, did I, did I understand right that the story you're working on is one that you started uh, a few years ago? Yep. Or did you do anything in particular to refamiliarize yourself with the story or kind of what the, what the big concept ideas were when you started it or, you know, what, what have you, what are you doing to kind of get back into the writing mode for this book? Oh, I, I started, like I reread the old draft and then, you know, yelled at Pascal for being an idiot <laughs> because, you know, she is. Nice. You guys need time machines. So you can go back and slap yourselves in the past. Yeah. No joke, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't right. think I should be allowed to have a time machine because then I might erase myself from existence. Depends on which theory of time travel you believe. Right. <laughs> oh, you know, Is it Avengers, Avengers Endgame theory or Back to the Future theory? Are we basing our time <laughs> travel mission on hot tub time machine? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to be careful about like when I like how angry I was at past self to do that because I could end up stabbing myself if it was like a yeah, see, like exactly. worst case scenario. Like, why would you do this, you idiot? Right, right. All right, so, if we go if we travel back in time, we gotta make sure we don't have any type of weapons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or no access 100%. to weapons. Or anything yeah. that can be considered a weapon. Yeah. Right. Any more of a katana, Josh. Oh <laughs> so I could I could hand it to myself and go seppaku right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't actually do that. Still, it's funny. So, so Kia, what is your what is your plan? Do, do, have you devised a plan for how you're going to attack this? Oh yeah, I'm going to question my life choices, reread the draft again, then question my sanity, <laughs> and again yell at past Kia, mm -hmm. and then re-outline it, and then rewrite. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, Rick, when, um, when, when you realized what a benefit outlining was and, and when it proved fruitful in your life, when, when you could look at your output and say, well, this is a direct result of the way I've changed the way I write. Um, what did that, uh, I guess, um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is when, when you start a new project, um, how do you approach the outline? Do you, do you start laying it out? This is where it's going to start. These are my characters. Do you kind of start the first, the first thing I come up with strokes? The first thing I come up with is kind of a setting, not, not like a specific setting, but do I want this to be a near future story, you know, where, we get alien technology or do I want it to be like two or 300 years in the future yeah. and everything's different or, you know, I, I get that first and then I figure out what role do I want the main characters to be playing? You know, what, what, uh, is it going to be the young adventure, the young guy just stepping out into the world and experiencing an adventure to help him, you know, become a, an adult or is it some grizzled veteran? You know, what, what kind of a character do I want? Right. And from there, I write usually a background. Uh, like this is the world that they live in, which if it's present day, I don't need to do that. But if it's a, if it's a, if it's a future thing, I, I write the background that happened, how the world came to be what it is. And then I'll write just a general synopsis, like telling somebody what the story's about. It's about this guy who does this and this happens. Then I will go from there to a more, a very, very detailed synopsis that's sometimes pages and pages long. And I will go from there to a chapter by chapter outline. And I'll start with like a couple of sentences for each chapter. And then I'll start fattening up those chapters. I think there's different people have different 
um, descriptions of that. I think they call it fat outlining or yeah, something like that or snow snowball. I don't know <laughs> something snowflake. like <laughs> snowflake. Thank you. How how long does that process take you from you know from for, first idea to now I'm ready to start writing the first draft? For the first book in a series, it can take a couple of weeks. Um, if it's a later book in the series, I can do it in maybe three or four days because I already know all the stuff, but you know, the preamble. Yeah. Do, do you, um, do you ever feel like you're, uh, rushing to get an outline done or do you give yourself like this, this outline is going to take what it takes? I never rush an outline. Um, I write pretty fast Yeah. and I am able to do that because I write detailed outlines. So if, if I rush an outline, that means that writing itself is going to come slower and it's just going to wind up slowing me down in the long run. So I don't, I try not to rush. I I actually try to do outlines. I I put put this, I can write two books at the same time. I have written even three, but I can never write an outline and anything else. If I'm writing an outline, I just write that outline the whole time. I don't write, you know, outline in the morning and then do a book in the evening. I just write the outline until it's done. Cause I, if I interrupt the flow of thoughts that go into that, then I will mess it up. I've tried that before. I just can't do it. So it sounds like your outlining process is, is the, the part of the process where you really immerse yourself in the story. Definitely. Yeah. The I can, I can, is actually just putting yeah. skin on the skeleton. Exactly. I, I can, I can write books and watch TV. I can write books and listen to the radio. I can write books and talk to people, but I can't outline to do anything else. My outlining, I have to have silence. I have to just do it. Wow. Wow. Um, Josh, what about you? What, what is your outlining process? Uh, what does that usually look like? How long does it take? What, what do you do like Rick and start with these big concepts and then just drill down, you know, closer and closer? Uh, I don't have one handy. Uh, I so I'm like completely opposite of Rick. I can <laughs> I can outline anywhere at any time doing anything, but I have to have like uh, I have to be in the zone to get the writing done. Um, uh, usually it takes me so I usually handwrite my outlines on legal paper before I do any actual computer writing. I have I don't know. 47 half used legal pads laying around the office because I, (laughs) I, I use them. And then once I'm done planning and writing the book, I don't put anything else in that notepad. I just put it away. Josh, Josh, you know why I don't do that? Why? Because I can't, I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are there are some times Same. where I go and I look at it. I'm like, what the hell was I trying to say here? Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's like a doctor writing a prescription. But I I outline very quickly. I I can do um, a base outline by hand on paper in like two or three days, um, and then. When I transfer it to the computer, that takes, uh, I don't know, two or three more because as I'm typing in the outline, I'm adding things to it. I'm kind of like Rick, where if I think of a good line of dialogue, I'll put that in there. I'll put in like bits of conversation that I want the people to have or, or if there's a specific description of something that I think in the outline, I'll add that into, uh, into the mix too. Um, so it, I mean, if that's all I'm doing that week, uh, if I don't have any other work to do, I could spend a week and have a book outlined and ready to go. Um, generally speaking. Nice. Um, Rick, Jen had a, uh, a great question that, uh, that I want to pose to you. She said, when your outline is so detailed, does that help to keep your characters from running off doing their own thing? Um, to some extent, I, I never, I never, um, word I'm looking for here is I never turn down a chance or like if some, if something comes to me and it's different from the outline, I don't just rule that out. I don't turn my nose up at it. If it, I'll try it out, you know, I'll write the chapter with that in there yeah. and see how it looks. And if it looks good, I'll keep it. 
something it's very very rare that i will delete a whole chapter <laughs> but uh usually i will know at the time like when i start to write this like oh yeah this guy i like um drop trooper 12 or 11 sorry the, the the book before last the one that just got released there was a character who was going to die at the end of book 12 and i killed him at the end of book 11 because i'm like it doesn't make sense for him to die in that way. It doesn't, it's not as dramatic. It's not as meaningful. This is like the place where he would sacrifice himself. So I, I just did it. And luckily it worked because I really didn't want to delete the whole chapter, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's, that's an interesting problem because, um, you know, kind of unlike the problem that, that Josh is, uh, is dealing with, where um, a a problem that presents itself then causes problems in the past. Um, this <laughs> seems like it, it it caused a problem for the future for you that you had planned for this to happen then. So it, it's a whole lot easier to to change your future plan than it is to go back and revise. Oh, that has happened book. over and over. Uh, yeah. Writing a long series like Drop Trooper, you know, it's twelve books now. Right. There have been so many times because you have to understand this originally was going to be a trilogy. <laughs> and uh, then so I said, well, can I, can, can I make it four books? Cause I feel like I need four books to end this war. And then of course it did well. So the, the publisher's like, you need to write more books. <laughs> so I had to come up with total new plot lines. And now I'm like, I think I am starting my fourth different story arc in this series. So when you're writing four book arts and you're and the way I do it is I, I have like a very general arc outline, very, very general. I don't like writing detailed arc outlines. So I'll take, I'll take that and I'll split it up into each book and I'll do the book. And, I'll, and I'm like, you know, this thing, this really exciting, cool thing was supposed to be in the next book. But this book is starting, as I'm outlining it, I'll say, this is starting to feel a little like filler. So I better take this exciting thing from the next book and put it in this book. And then when I start to do the outline for the next book, then I got to come up with some other exciting thing, which can be a pain in the butt. <laughs> Speaking of going to going back and kicking future, future <laughs> me's, I mean, self past me's uh, butt. Right. But, you know, you got to do it because nobody wants to read a filler novel. You know, they want, they want the cool stuff to be right there. Yeah. Um, next week, I want to talk about um, character motivations and how to look at your characters that you've written and see if they're fulfilling the purpose that you uh, originally intended for them to fulfill. And are, are they doing their job, so to speak? But um, I, I feel like we've talked a lot about identifying um, problems with your plot, but do you ever look back when you've got that first draft, look back on it and see that characters are not who you hope that they would be, or they're not performing the job that, that, that you set out for them to do. And how do you start looking at, um, our characters developing the way that you want them to, um, Keo, when you, when you look at something that you've written, um, what do you do or, you know, what are you hoping to do if you identify a character that's just seems flat or uh, is not as dynamic as you hope that they would be or, uh, you know, just just doesn't live up to what you thought their potential would be? Um, I think it would depend on uh, how relevant they are to the plot, because I could always just, you know, ax them. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see because i might stumble across that problem real soon yeah. well i'm I, if you're like me you definitely will stumble across it and and you know characters will need to be massaged and um i think them... the problem in the past and i think i gave um in my main project um i have one character who i like i had and then just stopped using for a while yeah. they kind of like just disappeared and so like i have to give them something to do so i kind of gave them like a bigger role and now they're actually more prevalent to the plot 
Gotcha. Um, Sam said, Keo, is your project going to be a full novel uh, or stay a short story? Uh, it's, I have it planned to be a full novel. We'll see. Awesome. Watch me turn into a series because that happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> My short story is now a series. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. I, I planned to, I have a standalone planned. I had a standalone planned. It turned into a trilogy. Hmm. That happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a, a lot. More so, often than you would think. Yeah. yeah. Drop, Drop Trooper was a Drop Trooper was a short story. <laughs> was it really? And now <laughs> yes. it's 12 novels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Um, Josh, what do you do if you uh, identify a character that's not living up to their potential? Um I guess it really just depends on what I need the character to do, right? Like, um, or uh, you mentioned if the the character's flat or if they're not, yeah. you know, just shining on the screen. And I know every character doesn't need something. Every character doesn't need a spotlight. Um, but if you're using um, secondary characters that are on screen a lot, you want to make sure that you're doing them justice as well as the main character. And you also don't want characters that are just feeding easy buttons to your protagonist right? right um so uh a lot of thing i like to do and a lot of this happens in my second draft is i will figure out more about the characters as i write them um for instance one of the characters uh rick mentioned killing off a character a book early i killed off a character like half a book early in book two uh of weaponized where i had planned to kill this dude off in like the finale of the book and then in the opening sequence of uh, the uh, inciting incident, I killed him off. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, well, I guess he's out of the rest of the book. Um, so now I've got to go back and make sure that his parts are covered by somebody else. But uh, in, I wrote the entire book one, not really kind of thinking about those characters. I was more focused on the main characters. And then when I went back in to kind of do the edits, I realized one of the things that I needed to do was give these other two characters more depth and uh so one of the characters i made uh, not like uh prophetizing religious but like practicing religious and so i took out all of his curses i i put in some prayers here and there like not not overly so but just enough to set him apart from everybody else and i'm sorry it looks like my glasses are like sideways on my face but it's not it's just my camera i promise my glasses don't look like this it's it's like my webcam it's freaking me out actually um, I thought your head was just crooked. my head's tilted yeah, yeah. i'll just talk like this for the um, but yeah, so I go, through, I go through, I go through and I'll, the plane, the plane, um, uh, make sure that they're talking correctly. Uh, make sure that, that, um, they're doing functional things. Um, and just make sure they're not boring, man. Uh, yeah. like one of the characters, uh, uh, who is the non-commissioned officer, the non-com, the sergeant that, uh, works with the main character who's a captain. Um, I hadn't really done a whole lot with him in book one. And so in book two, I kind of have him as the uh, push point to make uh, Logan, who's the main character, make him take the necessary steps to get where I need them to be. Because like I said, he's a soldier, so he, he's, he's really reluctant to do some of the things that they all know that they need to do. And so this this character Pavlovich is is his drive for or his purpose for this book is to push him in that direction. And so I'm 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 flavoring a lot of the scenes so that it's not um, overly like, hey, please go do this. But he's he's doing it through like subtext. He's doing it through little little small nudges. So by the time he does does the big push, it's there and it's set and people understand what he's trying to do um but a lot of that happens honestly it through the second draft and through rewrites because the first draft for me like i'm like rick i outline a whole bunch um but the i don't typically outline a lot of character stuff a lot of that comes after um so uh, i i do a lot of character realization as i'm writing and uh 
sometimes I have a an idea that I think the character is going to be this, and then as I'm writing them, and it's kind of like people don't understand when when authors say my characters aren't doing what I want them to do. Um, <laughs> well, they don't sometimes. Sometimes they turn into completely different people. Like I had you this person, and you became this person. First of all good on you because you're way better than i am uh, i could have created and i don't know where you came from but okay let's go do this thing uh that's my characters are all mostly just realized after the fact nice rick have you ever finished a draft and and had a character that you just didn't like or just didn't uh, show up in the way that you thought they would I don't recall ever having that happen. Usually I can tell in the outline if somebody's not getting enough stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, Cause if somebody's not getting enough stuff to do, then I just write them out. I don't, I don't, I'll just take their character out or, or barely mention them in the book, not make them a main character. Um, so back when I was writing, you know, by the seat of my pants, I don't think I ever had a character do too little, but I've often had characters that totally took over the book and I had not meant them to, but, but I, it's very rare that I have one that I had to like kill off or, or write out. I, I'm kind of minimalist when it comes to characters. If, yeah. uh, if, if, if somebody doesn't have enough to do, then they're just, they're going to be in the background and nobody's going to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, Josh mentioned this, and I, I've heard Brandon Sanderson talk about it uh, a time or three before. About sometimes, um, sometimes that that you'll outline the plot, but leave the characters um, sort of uh, pantsable, um, you know, so that you you kind of discover the characters as you write them. But it, if you're if you take that sort of approach, is there ever um, the the temptation that the characters then become something that affects the plot and then your your plot starts to change because your characters have changed too much is is that something that you have to worry about oh yeah i mean i don't worry about it i, I kind of enjoy it when that happens yeah you know because there's because there, nothing for me as, as a writer i the readers i know don't feel this way yeah. Just through experience, I found out they don't feel this way. But as a writer, as a writer, nothing is more fun for me than having a character that just takes off and does something I hadn't planned on. Yeah, that that yeah. is just awesome. I had, I had a villain do that um, in my first series that I wrote. Uh, it was supposed to be like a um, a minor, not even a villain, more like a a kind of a bureaucrat that, uh, you know, was incompetent and inefficient, but just a minor character. And uh, I put him in, I put his name in as a joke for a message forum that I used to hang out with because they used to have a, used to have this, this guy who had gotten really mad at another member and called their work and tried to get them fired. Oh, so no. everybody, yeah. So everybody had a, uh, like when they would, they would hold up signs and pictures that said F you that guy's screen name. So I, so, so I turned, I turned his screen name into a change a little bit to make it a last name. And I put F you that name in the book, just as That's a joke. Amazing. And then he became, so is this master art imitates reality or yeah. Yeah. He, well, he became, reality imitates He became a mastermind villain in this book. He was the one who had caused all the bad stuff that had happened in the last two books. <laughs> he was like the mastermind behind it. And and I had not intended that when I started the I hadn't intended that when I st started book two. And yeah. I certainly hadn't intended it when I put him, introduced him really as a character at the beginning of book three. But by the but by the middle of book three, I knew I'm like, well, hold on here. The way that I have things set up, just pantsing along. Yeah. There has to be somebody who was pulling the strings for a bunch of this stuff to have happened in these two books. Because I originally intended it to be somebody else, but I'm like, no, he's doing this stuff over here, but somebody's got to be doing this. 
And I'm like, well, this guy's the only character I've introduced who was in a position to do any of that. So he became the main villain for the book, for the series almost. Nice. <laughs> nice. So I could see where that could affect future books coming up. You know, you start thinking about, oh, okay, now I see how this story could could go this way. But has it ever changed the book that you're writing so much that you had to alter your outline? Not in the outline, no. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't think that I've ever had had a character after I started outlining change quite enough that I had to like totally change the plot of the book. Sometimes I would make a tiny adjustment, like uh, like one character was gonna perform an action later in the book but this person's become so important that they do it instead. But it's not, it's not like I have to change the ending of the book or anything, make a minor adjustment, maybe. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, guys, uh, this has, uh, has been a fruitful hour. I think, um, next week we're going to talk about, we're going to dig in depth about character motivations and, and seeing if the characters that you have wound up with after your first draft meet the uh the expectations of when you began and and what to do about characters that kind of get out of line um but uh, that should be yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so from me uh josh hayes rick partlow and keo thanks for joining us we will be here again next week same time same dabble station and uh thanks for joining us guys Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk with authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the Storycraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app to never miss an episode. The Storycraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool shouldn't be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at DabbleWriter.com and start your free trial. Thanks for listening.